0: Playoff time is when things start getting serious on the court. Players are more driven than ever to win these big games and keep advancing. Goodyear knows all about being more driven, too. Working hard to help you advance on and off the road. Let Goodyear.com help you choose what's best.
1: I have to do this in the lobby because things are not good in the hotel room right now oh. with my child.
2: Oh, is that, so. is that code? Your child? <laughs>
3: The <laughs> 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 Oh
1: man, Andrew Hahn met my uh, infant son yesterday last All night. Right. Yeah. and I met Andrew Hahn's new car. Oh, what well, we got, Andrew? Uh,
2: new car's code for something else.
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> <And another code. laughs> Yeah. Uh, uh, awesome. All right, three, two, one. Mm-hmm. Hello, and thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective podcast. It's Friday. We talk about the NBA. Uh, Jackie Max not joining us this week. She's got some sort of flooding issue in uh, at her house. So, Andrew, I hope uh, hope she's okay. Um, you don't want to hear flooding in Massachusetts in January because it's an issue. So we're sending out the best to her. I just wanted to point out she wasn't blowing us off. She had a legitimate, you know, issue. That's correct, right, Andrew? Uh,
2: we should just move on.
1: Oh, okay. (laughs) All right. Um, joining, running the show from LA is Andrew Hahn. Howdy. Um, Andrew, the, uh, the Clippers, uh, I haven't, I've I've given you a lot of time off from bringing up your Clippers 50 win prediction. And I mean, you know, there were some injuries and, you know, that gives you somewhat of a pass. But now that Lou Williams is routinely, throwing in, like, 30- and 50-point games. Um, Are you prepared to revise your Clippers um, projection for the 2017-18 season? No.
2: I mean, it doesn't seem like they're going to hit 50 wins, which I've been thinking, is there a way that I could just uh – for lack of a better term, lie and say I just said that Lou Williams was going to score 50 points this season.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, no, but, your, uh, your prediction, your prediction is all the Clippers, them and their G League team.
1: <laughs> Come on. Agua caliente. Yeah, the
0: wa- the, the water team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm
2: not, I'm not one for, for revising predictions. Like you make it because it's supposed to be in fun. And if I tried to change it, that means I take it more seriously than it is whatever.
1: Uh, having said that, were they like in a surprising third place, he would be crowing as uh, Absolutely. having <coughs> having it's great fun.
2: Th- you're, you're having fun now that I was wrong. And if I was right, then I'd be having a lot of fun.
1: Uh, no, I just, you know, I'm just bringing up the, the, in the inanity of predictions in general.
0: Just, yeah, I was going to say, just I love up. how Wendy, who refuses to make predictions, is like the king of prediction
1: accountability. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just, I, he's, never, right. he's never, he's never wrong. A,
3: doesn't want to make them, but always wants to check people on them.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> I haven't introduced you to yet. You're not permitted to speak. I was having a conversation <laughs> with Andrew Hahn. Um, and joining us from Los Angeles, uh, from the uh, Countdown show, uh, where you got a game, you've got a show tonight, b Brandon yes, Lowe, a.k.a. B-Low. Who is, what games are tonight? Uh,
3: we have Warriors, Bucks, and then we have the Rockets, and uh, I believe the NBA's most exciting team in uh, the Suns.
1: Uh, wow, that was an interesting <laughs> scheduling decision. Um, hey, got to get them on at some point, right? You got to watch out for that potential hangover game in Milwaukee. You mm. Give the you give the Warriors a night off in Milwaukee. Yeah, you, you never know get- what could happen. I thought it.
0: you were going to say Phoenix, and there is some truth to that. That old Scottsdale flu.
1: That's true. That's true. You've had the Scottsdale flu, haven't you? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm I'm always <laughs> healthy as a horse. Okay, and that that horse that you uh, just heard is the one, the only. Band mcmahon he's Band McMan, Band McMahon. he's the dude in
2: all the land.
3: He got Texas blood as thick as mud. He's Band <laughs> uh, I, I really,
1: I really didn't want to talk about the Cavs this week. You know, I was gonna give it a rest. Jackie Mac wasn't on; she had no Cavs stories this week. You know, we're not gonna talk about the Celtics because you know. They've been in London. They've only played one game, which they won. Um, and then the last couple of games happened, including last night where the Cavs lost by, th- I think, 33. I don't even remember what the final was. It, I think it was, it, was 33. it was a lot,
3: a lot of points. So, Brian, you're saying the Cavs weren't on your agenda for today.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, they are now, unfortunately. Um, and this is what happens. Like, um, this has now become routine. So, like, when I woke up this morning, I had like all these texts from producers from various shows, you know, Hey, can you come on? Because you know, this, this is perfect. Um, there's blood in the wall. I mean, I'm sure it'll be a topic on countdown tonight below.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, it'll probably be our a block. All right. Uh, Inside baseball folks. That's uh, the top block of the show.
1: Um, so I mean, three January's ago, they were 19 and 20 almost fired David Blatt. Uh, ended up trading half their team and made the finals. Two January's ago, they, uh, fired David Blatt while they were in first place. Last, I don't think it was in January, but it was like in February, LeBron like snapped after a bad loss on a road trip in New Orleans and said the whole team basically needed to be traded. You know, we don't have enough playmakers. playmakers. Go get me a point. Go get me a point guard. So. You know, it's kind of right on schedule that they yeah. have a, you know, and, and they're on a long road trip right now. Um, the Disney on Ice road trip, uh, I used to call it when I covered the calves day in and day out. Because Disney on Ice comes in for two weeks in January and you got to clear out. And, and for years, that meant going to the West Coast, but now that they're playing the Warriors on Christmas Day. They go to the West Coast in December, so they give them this sort of weird East Coast trip. Um, and they've been on the road for a long time. I think they've been on the road for um, like 15 out of 17 days or something like that. Now, that's not an excuse for getting beat by 30 um, no. to, to a team that uh, didn't have two of their three best players. It's not an excuse, but no. I am I'm explaining what's going on with them. So January is a, is a time when they... You know, the, the the Bulls used to have the circus road trip in November every year, and they would have like an eight-game road trip to the West Coast, and they would get their brains beat in usually, and it was like, oh, my God, every year. Um, so it's not a surprise that, that it sort of coincides with the schedule, but that said, it's another point. And, and the last couple games, the Minnesota loss um, sure. and, and this loss to the Raptors where – I don't even think DeMar DeRozan cracked 10 points. Uh, Again, I didn't look at the final box score, but he was a non-factor scoring-wise. He did other things well. He was a non-factor scoring-wise, and Lowry and Serge Ibaka missed the game, and the Cavs were never in it.
2: Never. DeRozan finished 13
3: points.
1: Those were, but I think in... They were useless. Most of them were useless irrelevant. Yeah, exactly.
3: I think he was uh, right around... I want to say he threw halftime. He was two or four points. Um, It was... uh, the combination of C.J. Miles and uh, Van Vliet and uh, Jonas Valanciunas, uh, <laughs> who were just giving the Cavs fits, which is unacceptable. Well,
1: somebody. there were there were a few moments in the game. Not that I want to talk about the game too much, but I would I would argue that in the first half, Jakob Pertle by himself Sheesh. gave more effort than the collective entire Cavs unit. They yeah. just did not care, yeah. and. Um, you know, it's surprising to see them play this way, but it's not defining. I I don't think.
3: Uh, it, is it surprising, even though?
1: I mean, given I mean, given like I you mean, said, give me your given your, yeah, give
3: your setup, yeah, given your setup. And I mean, I even tweeted something out. I said, "Look, you know, as a Cavs fan, I, I should be numb to this, but it doesn't make it any less frustrating to watch." I mean, it, it's. I mean, guys come out there, you know, LeBron's on Instagram, getting hype, you know, listening to music before the game. And it's like, all right, well, LeBron's, you know, Instagramming right before the game. He's about to go out here and kill it. And, and in fairness, on the offensive end, right, like early in the game, LeBron was like, you know, four for four or five for six from the floor. And uh he had it going. But, I mean, defensively, nobody did and nobody else offensively did. I, I, I mean, the number of open lanes that there were. And that, I mean, that's just the thing. I know the uh, Raptors have been playing a lot differently this season as opposed to seasons in the past. But I mean, they didn't need to, you know, even touch a perimeter game and it wasn't necessarily always playing fast. I mean, they were getting on the block. Two, three moves, bucket, (laughs) I mean, or just driving the lane. And I mean, people were literally watching like spectators like the rest of us. Uh, I, I I I don't and, get and,
0: and LeBron is, you know, LeBron's hooting and hollering and yelling and screaming in the huddle and Kyrie Irving's liking that on Instagram
1: and all that kind of stuff. But <laughs> LeBron is real quick. I want to just address that real quick because you're right about LeBron. Um uh and I love the hooting and hollering. That was very uh brand uh, that was right on brand there. Uh McMahon. They say that no maham, sure. Um, how about, um, how about what happened with this Instagram thing? Not that I want to go crazy on social media, but, uh, you know, LeBron, was that in the second half? I, I lost track of all the angry time. It
3: it? might've been the first half up. Okay.
1: So LeBron, you know, they come out of the break on TNT and they show that during the break, LeBron basically held court in the, um, in the huddle and was barking at everybody, you know, Play harder while I stand still on defense, um, but uh, <laughs> so 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 Kyrie Irving liked it, which is interesting because I I, I would have thought that the Celtics were flying back. It, 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 it I don't know where the Celtics were. I, I got I that They, Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi. they got I that
3: Wi Fi on the, on, the, on the private charter, Brian.
1: So yeah, it was the it I was the middle. That. So it was the middle of the night, uh, and he might have been over the Atlantic Ocean. Right, that's. I mean, maybe they. I don't know what their travel schedule was. Maybe they stayed in London, and flew home today. So, so. But no matter what, it was in the middle of the night. So anyway, the reason it's relevant is because you remember like the video and the and the you know was really we played it over and over on ESPN in the summer where LeBron was barking in Kyrie's face during timeouts. You know, yeah, and that's that's the. That's the first thing I thought of. Uh
0: I think, and this is a total aside, I think the Celtics should have gone one way to London and then, like, come back the other way just to prove to Kyrie that the Earth is indeed round, <laughs> even if it would have taken a little bit longer, just so we can okay, kind of kill that.
1: Okay, McMahon, it out. this is Whoa. bonus points for you for this. I'm
0: just this saying. This is glorious.
1: Wow. Because, you know, I don't know if you guys have flown internationally, but when you fly, like, you know, I know Andrew the Han has been to Korea many times. Andrew Han, when you fly from the west coast to Korea, how, do you, how does the plane get there?
2: Uh, it flies north over Alaska and then back yep. down to Korea. Yep. Right. Now, why would it do that? Because the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. And if you pull a string from Los Angeles to Seoul, Korea on a globe, then the trajectory it takes is northward not straight across the ocean.
1: Very, very good. Now, the same thing happens when you go from, uh, you know, Europe or England to the United States. Uh, you typically fly, if you don't fly over Greenland, you fly very near the coast of Greenland and you come in over Canada. If you're going to the, the far east coast, maybe you're coming in like over Nova Scotia. And these planes have this, uh, on the now, Kyrie, I guess, could say that this is part of the conspiracy, right? That, that uh-huh. they would, that they would just on the on the plane back from London, they would just put, oh, Kyrie, wink, wink. We're actually going straight across because it's flat, but we're just going to put the arc. I mean, what would he say to that? What would he say to? Uh, I, yeah, that's so a, I
0: guess it's not like you look out the window and they've got the the names of the countries or whatever. Know.
1: They don't <laughs> like a map. <laughs> that's disappointing. That was great. Like, man, back to your point, um, it, it was ironic that LeBron was barking uh, when he was just as guilty as anybody of the defensive and, effort.
0: And, and has been all year. And, and you know, to, to a certain point, you understand it because, like, more is asked out of LeBron probably than any player in the league. And we talk about all the minutes he's played, yep. you know, not just. Uh, obviously, regular season, all the playoff minutes, all the trips to the finals. You know, he didn't do the last Olympics, but all the international play, yada yada yada. But man, I I got to think some guys are, are watching the barking at him and then looking at film the next day and going, "Dude, <laughs> your help defense is like turning your head while your hands on your hips." Sometimes,
3: yeah, yeah. And I mean, then I mean, the best part about that is he'll then turn his head back at someone else and give the What's going on? Look, Uh, I I mean, that's the thing, Brian, again, like none of this is new. I I mean, he's like you said, I mean, he was doing that when Kyrie was there. He's been doing that for uh, uh, for years, um, especially once he's gotten to this, you know, regular season. I won't say coast, but obviously it's definitely going to get ratcheted up uh, a lot during the uh, playoffs. But yeah, I mean, he's just as guilty (laughs) as anyone else in terms of the defense and i mean it 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 starts with him especially now you know when you have two guys on the floor and kevin love who obviously i love and i love it but but we all know those guys aren't defensive stalwarts so now having those two guys on the floor you know you everyone else has to pick it up a a whole extra level uh defensively especially Uh,
0: if love's playing the five. Yes. I mean, regardless, but it's I mean, you know if he's playing the four, it still that still applies. But yes, especially like, one and five; those are the two most important defensive positions. And yeah. if you are a significant minus in both those spots, you know. And I also do think, and obviously, it was awful last night. Missed his first eleven shots.
1: Uh, I. Well he kept shooting care. though. He well, did like, not care. <laughs> you
0: know what? That's what that's what shooters do. That's they what shooters shooter. do, right? But I, there's a hundred percent of shots
3: you don't take.
0: There you go. And he missed it for a while. A hundred percent of the shot <laughs> take. But I do think it was predictable, even though he came back, he had the really nice, uh, Cavs debut. I i, I think it was predictable though that there was going to be some gumming up of things and, and some stuff they had to work through, uh, with IT's return, kind of getting him involved, you know, getting him comfortable. Um, but that doesn't, ex- and, and, you know, that explains some offensive issues. It doesn't explain just being absolutely historically horrendous defensive. I mean, they're second to last in the league in defensive efficiency and have gotten much, much worse. But, again, I, it feels stupid to freak out about this because I remember we are having these conversations late March, early April last year. And then, oh, yeah. you know, what, what happens a couple months later? Here they are in Ooh, the finals. Here we so, go.
2: Okay. Yeah. like yeah. The, so,
0: I can't freak out about it.
2: Um Brian, I'm about to steal what I think is going to be a jump topic today uh, because Rachel Arnovitz and I were waiting for pop to talk last night and she's looking at the score and she says, you know, I know that the Cavs and LeBron coast through the season. They've done it the past couple of seasons below just mentioned all of that. But at what point do we decide that this is not the typical coasting that they do? These are like some horrific losses. Um when do we get to start legitimately being concerned over LeBron and the Cavs?
3: <sighs> Boy. Brian. Uh, Wendy. Wendy, you
1: there? Man, uh Wendy's... I'm sorry. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, I I was had, just putting you had out, had Andrew. <laughs> um, I Wendy's so really... concerned
0: he's done in the silence. <laughs> All
1: right. That's how <laughs> concerned. That's his double. I I don't know the answer to that. I don't know if this is the, the typical or different. Um, what I do know is that the, you know, Jay Crowder, who, you know, he wasn't the, the primary, uh, asset in that trade, but he, well, was, he was one of the asset. Yeah. He was one of the things that the Cavs were able to look in the mirror and say, okay, this helped us against the Warriors because we got this guy. Um, Jay Crowder has been an unfettered disaster. He's given the Cavs next to nothing. And he complained a little bit in a uh, interview uh, with some of the Cavs media earlier this week about not getting shots. He didn't, like, outwardly complain about it. He was just kind of like, well, I don't know where my shots are coming from. Sometimes I get no shots. Okay, I mean, I, I get that. It's going to throw you off. But he has been terrible. But flat he's out to be, terrible. He's
0: supposed to be a, a impact defensive player. I mean, he, oh, yeah. he's a role player. It,
1: that's what he's and, 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 is and he is he not
0: in, is he in shape yet
1: we're in January my god well when, look,
0: <laughs> I mean a, a, in all seriousness I give Jay Crowder a pass for coming into camp in poor shape because the yes. poor guy his yes. mother died I mean yeah. as he's yeah. getting uh, traded his mother's on his deathbed I mean he went through just a, a devastating personal experience uh, it, you know so that he came in in terrible shape because he's dealing with Personal hell all summer long, yeah. and and yeah. if you come in in that bad of shape, I don't know that you can. And and he's a guy who kind of his body type, you know, like even back when he was in Dallas when he was young, you know, there was concern. Okay, he's got a naturally sort of tendency to get pudgy if he doesn't like really stay on top of things.
2: Uh, Tim, and, the, and the I term wondered, is thick. I just wonder with two seats is that's
1: the term. Well, he, he, yeah.
0: And, and is that so, another code word? <laughs> I I don't think, well, we better move
2: on.
1: You're going to
0: get me in trouble. Um, But I I seriously, I wonder how much he's just not in good enough shape to be effective. And, you know, you say, well, it's January. Well, if you come into camp in horrible shape, maybe he's not going to be right all year long.
1: I suppose that's true, and that could be a very legitimate reason, and certainly he has talked about that. Um, But having said that, uh, I'm not saying he doesn't get a pass, but he's just absolutely been nothing yeah, like a the problem. Cavs thought. Yeah. Uh, J.R. Smith has
3: been uh, a lot better, more effective than uh, Crowder. They, and I don't think, I don't know how many people expected that.
1: Below, they've had Jeff Green guarding the point guard recently at yeah. times. Yeah. Because they've been so desperate for somebody. Because they can't, like, they can't have Isaiah guard the point. Like, last no. night, they just took whoever the the one guy, and I apologize, I can't remember his name now. I, he played in the G League game in the, the G League Showcase down the road in Mississauga earlier in the day, and then he was playing for the Raptors last night because they had so many injuries and suspensions. Um, uh, Lorenzo Lorenzo Brown, I think. Um. Anyway, that's who Isaiah yeah. was guarding. Yep. Yeah. Um, that's who Isaiah was guarding, and so yeah. they had to put Jeff Green on the point guard. So. Um, and then the other thing, J.R. Smith's having the worst season of his career. Uh, at least at least the, the mature of his mature career. Yeah. Um, he, he had a you know, I think early and early on maybe he was struggled maybe his first or second year he got traded. But um he's he's been absolutely horrible. And so those are their two guys that they um rely on on the perimeter. And um, uh they're giving him nothing. And then sort of the other guy is Amon Shumpert, who's been injured almost the entire season and has been out since oh, wow. um, uh, November December with knee surgery. Are they, aren't they targeting this month or early February or so? He should be back within the next week to 10 days. But, right. I mean, they've got $100 million in J.R. Smith and Amon Schumpert. They're getting zero out of Osh. those guys. Yeah. Um, and again, Jay Crowder was a product of the Kyrie Irving trade. They're getting next to zero out of him. Yeah. So when I, like, like, like uh, B low is right and McMahon is right that when, like, LeBron and Love just don't give it defensively, that's a problem. But they're, I mean, the blame goes around. And at the end of oh, the yeah, day. Oh, yeah, it's plenty to share. At the end of the day, if you're the 29th defensive team oh, man. you're you're not you, you mean you're not a contender i mean i don't i don't care who you are that's that's but how that's bad awesome. were they defensively that, last they yeah, were, i mean I, Brian, I, they, I don't, they, I don't they, know what the
0: rankings were but there were times 20, they were, absolutely
3: horrendous. They, were yeah, they, 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 they finished bad, 22nd you know which is which is bad. yeah because remember we were all uh referring back to that lakers team right that spent most of the season on the lower end of the uh defensive spectrum and then that's the lakers team that won the finals uh what in five games or no, they, yeah, they, yeah, they, they swept, went, uh, they, yeah. they,
1: they, that was back when there was a best of five in the first round and they went three, four, and four, five. Yes. Yes.
0: And, and I flip it and say, if you have the best player in the league, you are a contender and they still have the best player in the league. Yeah. Oh, we had I, all these conversations, you know, the names are different, but we had, Oh, defensive disaster, da 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 all these same conversations last year and they cruise through the East Playoffs. So
3: I, I you- think I'm on board with Tim. It, it, again, I go further back beyond just last season and the past season. We've done this forever, right? We've said, Oh my gosh, that you know, Cavs look so bad. And even, you know, you could say back when um you know, maybe LeBron was just dominating the East in the regular season. There was always that, oh, but look at the Bulls. They're great. And, I mean, people are doing that now with the Celtics. Well, look how bad the Cavs look defensively. And look just how, you know, Celtics play defense on a string. And, you know, they finally have offensive weapons. But point being, I mean, if you look, LeBron or whatever team he's on, he loses the season series to uh, the Chicago Bulls, to the Boston Celtics. I'll have to go and look at, you know, the past uh, several years of the Raptors, uh, since the Raptors have been one of the better teams in the East. But, you know, the Atlanta Hawks, when the Atlanta Hawks had that ridiculous season. But, yeah, he, he they get the best of them during the LeBron series. Exactly. They get the best of them during the regular season. But when we get to the playoffs, I mean, we're talking sweeps or gentlemen sweeps. Uh, so I, I, I'm I'm just trying to be you know cautiously optimistic that that flip that that switch will flip but it does look like and something i've been saying um ever since d rose went down because if you remember i know the cats were struggling wins losses wise but d rose was actually playing pretty solid uh before he you know left the team they need. I mean, hey, when D Rose comes wait, back, all their issues will be. Wait a Wait a minute. I'm not saying. I'm not, saying, <laughs> D- that. I, listen, I'm not so, saying that. I'm not saying that. But as we said, sometimes you know to quote the great uh, Cavaliers, great Sasha Pavlovich. You know, my offense is my defense. You know, oh, when classic. You have, when you have, when you have, great offense in in your flowing. It kind of can, you know, it's a little bit of potpourri, right? It could kind of cover up a little of the stench of your defense. And my thing is, I've been saying from Jump Street, I love IT, man. I love his fire. I love what he can provide. But bring him off the bench. If you have IT in this your it's your second unit. That way, you don't have IT and Kevin Love on the floor at the same time. I feel like you're doing yourself at least – A little bit of a favor for the defensive end.
0: I think I think that works great in a video game. But uh, as Mello (laughs) as Mello said when they asked him about coming off the bench at the beginning of the year in OKC, who me?
3: Next who?
0: who, come who it in a contract year? <laughs> yeah, you you but, think? Um, you, the the dude who averaged damn near thirty a, a game last year? Yeah, thir- and, thir- and he's in a contract year, coming yeah, off the thir- bench. Hey, hey listen, I'm thir- just 30 saying, game. man.
3: Thirty a game last year on a team that had absolutely zero scores. You got to
0: convince me. You gotta you gotta <laughs> convince a really really proud
3: dude oh, playing yes. for a contract. He is, but if anything, I think that could almost galvanize him again. Like, okay, you guys want to come off the bench? Alright, I'll show you. But like, yeah, I would, say, I would say hey, man, look at, you know, Manu. Look, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it doesn't have to be necessarily... But yeah, and,
0: and, and look at Manu's
3: contracts. That's not what he's playing <laughs> for. <All right>. I- <laughs>
2: I want to I wanna do a, a, a bit of a little bit of reckless speculation on this, and for like aggregators, I want to make clear that this is using no no inside information, no no knowledge beyond the fact that you know we just watch basketball and we've watched the Cavs. McMahon, did, did they fix this internally or through outside means?
0: You know what? You, you talk about reckless speculation. I want to hear Wendy's informed speculation on
2: that. Uh, I don't
0: uh, because because uh, because man, they got hey, that Nets pick, and it, it, I, you know I don't know where it ends up. It's, it's probably more top eight than top three, but the, there's some there's damn sure uh, some value there. And man, I don't it, it, let let's just get really reckless uh-oh. and say somehow they can put together a De- DeAndre Jordan. How how much does that fix things?
1: I don't think it actually... I mean, it would help them immediately tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, they are talking to the Clippers, and the, the Clippers are going to do something here where they're going to sort of pivot. They're either going to trade DeAndre Jordan, or they're going to give Lou Williams a contract extension. Oh, I thought you were going to say that, they
2: were going to pivot to video, but okay.
1: <laughs> you know what they they tried to pivot to streaming on their uh, local TV deal. Yeah. Um Sheesh. and they're going to have to they're going to have to pick a direction there. Um but I I the Clippers I feel like are on the verge of doing something. And um it could happen today, it could happen within by the weekend and whatever that is um, we're going to have a lot of clarity about where they're headed in the short-term future. Um, but, I think but the, Cavs,
3: the Cavs can't give up that, that Brooklyn pick for
1: defense. Okay. They I don't. agree. And I, I want to talk can. about the Brooklyn pick for a second, but, um, in my opinion, getting DeAndre Jordan doesn't really help them against the Warriors. Um, it may help them against, uh, you know, the next game they have against the Bucks because their defense is so bad that having him at the front of the rim really, really helps. Um, but I think against the Warriors – and, you know, you talked about their defense turning around. Um, their defense turned around last year. You remember the Ty Lu quote-unquote, secret defense?
3: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> the, yeah. The, the, He takes over the defense in the playoffs and everything. And he's do, you, do you remember the what playoffs. the
1: secret defense was, b uh, I, I I don't. <laughs> they put <My> – Lebr- <laughs> Well, that helps. They put LeBron at center. Uh. I mean – they, I mean they they, they called it free safety, whatever, but they they put him on the weakest player and let him play free safety and they were just way better. And so their best rim protector is number twenty-three. Um and um You're saying that's number so, 23's job. Number twenty three three's job. <laughs> and um so I, I think if they're gonna cash in the Brooklyn pick, it better be for a high level wing uh perimeter player that you know can you can insert in there and then enable LeBron to not have to deal with Durant, Curry, um, or even Draymond, and you can you can stick him on Iguadala or or yeah. or whoever or Jordan Bell, Jordan <clears throat> Bell. and let him play uh, defensive center. I think not not at the at the opening tip off, but right. eventually that's for where for you go. That, the game. <clears throat> that's what I think their strategy should be. Um, so
3: who? So like, who? So who is that guy? Uh, I mean, well,
1: I mean, the guy that I would get, I would try to get if I were the There's two guys that I would look at. One would be Kent Bazemore. Not that I'm giving the mm-hmm. the, uh, the Brooklyn pick for Kent Bazemore, yeah. and he makes a lot of money. Um, yeah, <clears> but Bazemore Bays, is one of the Bazemore is one of the top five defensive shooting guards in the league, according to RPM. And uh, you know, I know that he ebbs and flows with his shot, but you know. It's it's. I'd like to have that guy on my team. I think he would help you against Golden State. And then this guy isn't great defensively. But if I was going to use the Brooklyn pick, <clears throat> and again, this mm-hmm. is my my suggestion. Not I'm not reporting this. Okay, thank you, Andrew, for reminding me. Uh, <laughs> I would call Portland and ask them what it would take to get CJ McCollum.
3: Oh, oh, that's my that's my guy. That's my Canton brethren right there. I like yeah. that. But yes, defensively, um, yes, that that you're not necessarily improving that way. But again, school of Sasa Pavlovich, you know, the offense gets. Well, I'm just I'm just thinking
1: it. if if you're going to give up the Brooklyn pick, you've got to do it for a player. Got to be dynamic, who and also who you control for a while. Yeah, uh, you know, DeAndre Jordan. Some people believe DeAndre Jordan is not opting out of that contract because the market's going to be weak for him, and that he's going to opt in. No matter what. But but certainly when you um, – there are certain teams out there that believe that the Clippers talks with DeAndre Jordan are to are to lay the groundwork to trade him when he picks up his option.
0: Wow.
1: Uh, because they don't think he's – there are teams out there who don't think he's going to opt out. Because this is not going to be a good free agent – a rich and deep free agent market. Let me just talk about the Brooklyn pick real quick. As of this moment right now, it would be the eighth pick in the draft. Okay, so you say, well, that's not very good. I mean, boy, the boy, the Cavs were a bunch of freaking idiots taking that. Danny Ainge wins again. What a genius! Ha 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 ha! ha. <laughs> and 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 trust me, I've heard it. And then you would say, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, it, they're, they're, it's only, uh, you know, they're only two wins away from it being like the eleventh pick. I mean, if they go on a three-game win streak, it could be the eleventh pick. Boy, the Cavs are a bunch of freaking idiots. Aggregate <laughs> that. But what 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 people don't understand, unless you are really following the bottom end of the standings, which maybe you are, maybe you aren't. I am covering the, the Mavs. Only, <laughs> the Nets are only two games away from it being the third pick, and the Mavs are coming, right. baby. Um. So, and this you're looking at the these college players, like. Like yeah, it could be the eleventh pick. I agree, and you, and it could, you, you know, you, maybe you want to cash it in right now. But dude, the Nets are a bad ten days away from being from having the third pick.
0: God, how unpopular is Spencer Dinwiddie in Cleveland? <laughs> oh
1: man, no kidding. He's because because I I actually thought the Nets would definitely. I did not think they would be a bottom three team this year. Um, just because you know they added some some decent talent and they had no motivation. To, yeah, yeah um, they
0: added proven winner D'Angelo Russell.
1: Well, but it was better than they had, and they, you know they added, Absolutely. you know, uh, Alan Crab. I mean, they were running G leaguers through there yeah. last year. Um, yeah. But then when they lost, Jer- like la- you remember when when, when Jeremy Lin didn't play for them last year, their record was like horror. Like when Jeremy Lin played, they were like competent. Well, they were decent. Right. They were somewhat when, competitive. And then when they when he didn't play, their record was awful. And so when he hurt his knee and was out for the year. I was like, oh my God, yeah, they're, they're screwed. And, and then Russell went down and they been better without him. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, so again, it's almost you
0: can, like there's a reason the Lakers are so happy to get rid of him.
1: Yeah. You can, um, you can, you know, throw all kinds of assumptions on that Brooklyn pick. Nobody knows. It could go either way. It could go either way.
2: On the topic of this, this Nets pick and what it is and what it isn't and what the Cavs need and what they don't and Bilo and I were talking yesterday about uh the situation down south in New Orleans. Yes, and yes. You want you want to set the table for that, yes. Bilo?
3: So basically, one of one of the most intriguing yet frustrating things for me in the NBA, similar Andrew, continues to be the New Orleans Pelicans. You know, when they got boogie last year at the All Star break, the fact that you had you know a little less than half a season. You guys still couldn't manage to get in the playoffs. This year, they start out uh, playing a little bit better than I expected them to, and then, lo and behold, look where they are now, right back where they always are, around the 8 or 9 spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just they, they are what they... Th- this is what they are, right? I mean, does anybody disagree they're an 8 or 9 seat. They're, they're, they're a... Uh,
0: their, they're their a team that's hoping to sneak into the playoffs just so they can say,
3: hey, AD, we got, just so we got that, the playoffs. Exactly. and, and, and get And get... Uh, immediately uh, removed <laughs> within four games by the Rockets or the uh, the, the Warriors. So, point being, I, I think it, they should be sellers right now. Like, it's time for them to make moves. You um, think, you know, by sellers, you mean you think they should put Boogie on the block? I, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm not even just talking Boogie. I, I think AD? you need to be listening. Yes, you need to be listening to calls for the brow. Uh, because at this point, like, what, what, like, what, what are you doing? Like, again, if free, if you're, if you're saying, okay, we'll stand pat, we'll let Boogie walk, whatever. I'm sorry, and like, AD is a tremendous talent, and I know guys love him, but I don't know if top free agents are, you know, just salivating to get to New Orleans to play with AD. I mean, do you guys ever hear any guys talking about they want to run to New Orleans to play with AD? And so, where are you going? I think you need to do. Just, I mean, start from scratch and you have to get rid of AD now because his stock will never be higher and it will never be higher because one, not to say that he's going to get worse than he is right now, but just fact being, I don't think he, he has a next level to get to and a large part of that is. He is injured every four and a half five games
2: well let's let's be fair too like he doesn't have to get to a next level like when he's
3: healthy he's a terrific player oh he's tremendous yeah. he's tremendous but here's the thing does it affect wins and losses <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: well I, I would say I would say let him sit for a while and you'll see how much it, it affects losses yeah
1: look look, it, look, look take the ad yeah. thing out of it what is the real decision with boogie cousins? Basically, do you are you really gonna go all in to sign him this summer? That's if not that's right, get what you can
0: get. That, so that is you, exactly
1: right. Do do you as an organization and this is the same question you're asking mm-hmm. yourself if you're trading for him? Do you as an organization yep. feel that you can invest one hundred seventy five million in him? Because that is what he was he is going to want from the Pelicans. Um you know the, the the one of the worst cup secrets in the league, and maybe it's not true McMahon, you tell me one of the worst cup secrets in the league is that uh Cuban and the Mavs are interested in him
0: well i <laughs> i I am told that absolutely not, and that's why I believe him. Huh. <laughs> because i, okay. I, I think i'm getting I think I'm getting smoke blown right up my rear end on that one um and, and look I mean. Uh, there was a time where they were totally transparent about it. Now, this is when he was rep by Dan Fagan, and, and we all, you know, I think are familiar with the Cuban Dan Fagan relationship, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, they had his brother on the Texas Legends on the Mavs D League team for a whole year, and it was just a totally transparent attempt to kiss Boogie's butt. But, you know, every time I ask about we go, oh, no way, no way, oh, no, oh. We, we, we're not going to – and and they're so like, you know, arr, arr, and, no, that, that I'm like, yeah, okay, you guys are lying through your teeth. So sources, the headline would be sources are probably blowing smoke up my butt by saying – by shooting
1: that down. <laughs> Aggregate it. Um, So if he's going to probably get uh, at least one other outside Max offer – then he knows to stay put, he's going to want the full five year boat, which is about 175 give or take. Um, and that to me, if the answer is no, then you have three weeks to trade him.
0: Yeah. And, and so, like, what's the value of just getting in the play? It's not like Anthony Davis is going to be like, well, man, remember that uh, time we got swept by the Warriors? Whew. <laughs> Boy, that, but that's I, reason for I, me I, to be but, happy
1: and satisfied and not end up pushing I, for a trade. I think that's all trade. second and third level questions you know you either think you can pay you either feel good about paying 175 or not because then you can talk about whether he fits with anthony davis or what it means for anthony davis but you got to answer that first question first and i don't think the pelicans would want to make like a a trade that would like dump the season i think if they wanted to move them they'd want like pieces that would help them in fact what Mm. trade could dallas offer them why don't we talk about that what trade could dallas offer them in the next month
0: I mean, if the yeah we if the Mavs are giving up their pick this year, I think that's completely insane for a no rebuilding. way, no way,
1: no nope, no way, N- um, not for not for a possible rental, no way. I,
0: yeah, I mean, you know. Obviously New Orleans. I, the, the the Dirk is untouchable by contract and by uh legend obviously. What about West
1: what about like Wes oh, they, Matthews? They, they, yeah, West? Yeah,
0: I Matthews. think they throw West in a deal for sure and then you're getting pretty close to the money. West in New Orleans. But if you're New Orleans, that like I don't know. But the other question is what's the value for boog in the trade market when you know it's a rental and you know that uh that he's got to get paid this summer. So maybe, maybe like a little West New Orleans, I don't know.
2: Like, if I know Boogie is uh, a loose cannon, but just on talent alone.
0: Oh, yeah. That's why when the Mavericks shoot it down, I'm just like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, really? You're not in a position to turn your nose up on a top 10 talent in this league. And a guy who, now we'll say this. You know, for years now, our culture, our culture, you know, we can take guys You know, look at what's happened. You know, like Stack was supposedly a problem. He came in was great. You know, Van Exel, yeah, yeah, whatever. Uh, well, their culture didn't help with Lamar Odom. Their culture didn't help with Rajon Rondo. You know, they've had some pretty big things blow up in their face here. And those were little, you know, temporary things, a, a boogie disaster would be a four or five year problem, depending on, you know, if, if so. Crazy. But in fairness, I will say those two
3: guys at least had one. I think, I feel like, true, given the right culture, I, I look, it, it, yes, he could be loose, cannon and all that. And I, all these guys want their money, and I don't blame them. I don't pocket watch anybody, like, get your money. No. But, uh, but these guys who are great, I really believe they want to win. And so, I. I I, again, like, you know, Rondo, we know how Rondo was. And like so said, Lamar and obviously Lamar, you know, is was a special case. He has obviously a lot of uh, off-the-floor issues that personal issues he had to deal with. But
0: again, these guys on- were – Do that Stephen A.
1: Smith drop. <laughs>
3: <it>. <laughs> I, w- I think
1: I w- that's I w- been w- banned w- at ESPN.
3: Oh, is it? But, I, uh, no, I'm,
1: I'm joking.
3: <laughs> no, we'll delete yeah, this but, little like- part then. But but these guys, you know, they, they had one. And I think a little bit changes when you've been in a championship environment versus Boogie, who was in Sacramento, obviously one of the bottom feeders, you know, for, you know, since, uh, you know, their heyday. And then, you know, now on the Pelicans who are uh, meddling you and, know, and their I,
0: I have not heard and maybe it's just because the Pelicans aren't exactly intensely reported. On it. I have not heard about Boogie being a, a problem.
3: That's very true with the
0: Pelicans, and so Sacramento. You know, you got a chicken and egg discussion there.
1: Okay, right. L- let's just be honest. L- Let again, let's let's play real world level stuff. You, if you're a general manager and you make this trade, you may be signing your firing papers, whatever those are. Well, you, yeah, but but if for you're for you to bring him in, for you to bring him in, you gotta know that it's not gonna be your be your be your backside, so well, that's fine. the Mavericks owner makes trades and he okay fired, which is exactly why Dallas might make sense. I saw you know Zach Lowe brought up i I don't see DeMarcus cousins as a heat player, but Zach Lowe brought up um uh Miami as a possible destination um, uh for him you know in his in his story he wrote this week that's another place where you know Pat Riley. Andy Ellsberg, Eric Spolstra, you know, they don't, um, they don't have to, and you know, uh, you know, they have their own pieces that they wouldn't mind getting rid of. Um, you know, Hassan Whiteside, I think they would move right now. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, if you're New Orleans, do you do Whiteside for Boogie?
2: No, I
3: wouldn't.
1: I wouldn't, but I mean, I may listen on some other heat pieces.
3: Um, I, I, Again, I think well. Here's the thing with New Orleans. I think the biggest thing with them, and because uh, honestly, I brought this up in the room with the guys with T Mac, Chauncey, Paul, and Jalen the other day, and uh, I want to say it was either Chauncey or, or Paul him that maybe <laughs> you know a little bit to drop them in there, you know, as we're all hanging out. But uh, no, I, I actually
1: uh, I actually had lunch with with T Mac the other day, and he was telling me he was name-dropping d to me. He's like, I brought this up with d <laughs> Kind of a big deal. But no, but
3: uh, I feel like it was probably Chauncey that made a, a great point in New Orleans, the reason why, you know, they are what they are and it isn't working. It's that all the guys in their lineup are either 6'4 and under or two 7-footers. Well, you and know, they don't they, have
0: shooters around they, the 7-footers. The shooters exactly,
3: are the 7-footers. Exactly. So that's the problem. So I, I think, roster, think-
1: that roster is be- a mess. It it, it
3: is, but uh, in terms of, I think it was Andrew, uh, somebody just poo-pooed Whiteside. I think the thing is, though, Whiteside, at least he's not doing the same exact thing that AD is doing, whereas Boogie and AD essentially play the same style of game. Um, So if you do get a Whiteside, okay, now he's down there on the block. uh, He's around the rim. All right, now I can step out 20 feet. I can, you know, work on... My outside game, I think it does give you a little bit of a different look because you need Boogie and you need AD to shoot. Like, to your point, Tim, you need those guys to be a yeah. shooter. Well, no, that's the problem there. Like, AD is a five; he should be playing five.
2: And you, like, the reason why Boogie and AD are redundant is because they should both play five, and neither
0: of them. That, that line works. That
1: I'm gonna make up, up a trade. I'm gonna make up a trade. All right. How okay. About, Wendy's reporting a trade. How about? uh How about? Uh Wes Matthews and Dwight Powell.
0: <laughs>
1: I, I I think they would be,
0: I think they would love to give you uh Nurlands Noel.
1: No, <laughs> Dwight, I said uh, Dwight Dwight Powell. Uh, you
0: know what? Look, they like Dwight here. Uh Dirk loves Dwight Powell. Like those two guys are extremely tight. Stretch um, four would fit next who, to A. D. No, Dwight's on a stretch four.
2: The
1: White is a, not. He's a, he,
2: he's a no. combo. He's a man. All right, you, of, he, no. The a trade that I would I would like to see is that Brooklyn pick for Boogie because I know Brian that no, you said no that way. you wanted no. No that way. that the Cavs no need way. to get a, a two no, way wing player. No way. But Boogie no way. is one of the few big men that is a more than capable defender and Draymond no, goes out. Of his,
1: he's a who he's capable. He's
2: what? I'm not saying he does it. I'm saying he's capable.
1: You know what? You know what? I've been looking, I've been watching and I don't know how much you put into defensive RPM. Uh, it's one of the few def- individual defensive stats we have. Who do you think ranks higher as a d- defensive RPM center, Boogie or Deandre Jordan? Don't tell me it's Boogie. Are you serious? I think by like eight or nine spots.
0: Wow. You know? That's shocking. You know, the thing about Boogie though, uh, uh, defensive effort certainly wanes with him sometimes the other thing is boogie is as great an offensive player as he is and he can get you 30 and 15 on a regular basis he is a turnover machine and a lot of his turnovers the, the, are andrew the buckets, andrew they buckets can't trade
1: everything. that they can't trade that pick for boogie but here's here's the here's the point. not not a boogie rental all right especially. but
2: here's here's the point that i'm making though if if the Cavs have to do some make a trade and not to bring this all the way back to the Cavs, because I know we spent so much time trying to get away from it. If the point is to beat the Warriors, there's just a handful of players that the Warriors, I don't, they're not scared of anyone, but their eyebrows certainly raise when they come into the building. And Boogie is one of those guys. The way that One of the key ways you beat the Warriors is you get their main guys in the foul trouble, and Boogie will get Draymond in the foul trouble immediately.
1: I, I think it makes sense if you're, um, you know, in a in a laboratory, like summoning it up. But the circumstances around it make it. Did
3: impossible. you say laboratory? Because oh, Asian. Is that? Oh my god! Oh wow! <laughs> oh, wow! <laughs> wait, wait. So, so when you when you say circumstances, are you specifically talking him being a rental? Or are you talking other everything
1: everything the concept of using your most prized tradable asset on him who's a who's a risk player the concept that he's got a one year contract the the concept they've got the second youngest gm in the league um you know the concept that um you know he's a volatile personality i mean like uh, th- that, th- th- there, there are situations that you could that you could give me where I think it makes sense, where, you're, where Pat Riley or Mark Cuban or Donnie Nelson's butt is not going to be on the line because they've just stuck their neck out right. betting on DeMarcus Cousins. Cleveland is not one of them.
0: You know, if, if you're the Mavericks, though, I would say in terms of tra- – and again, they, people tell me, no, 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 we don't want Boogie. We don't want-, and I, I don't believe them. That's what they tell me. I don't believe them. But if they do want Boogie, why trade for him? When you know it's going to be a depressed market, you know very little teams are going to have, unless you unless they're
1: motivated to get off west. I'll back. I'll tell you why. Because if the Pelicans keep him past February eighth, mm-hmm. then they're offering him the one seventy five, and he's going to take it.
3: Not turning down that money.
1: That's mm-hmm. that's I mean how else am I how how else am I supposed to read it? Yeah. Otherwise, or you
0: get or you get crappy offers that you don't want to do.
1: Oh, you mean trade offer? No, I don't think so. I think you take any offer.
0: Well, any not, not, offer. maybe they look at, and and I don't know, but maybe they look at the, the offer. you know, I and mean, again, these are all just hypotheticals. But it, it, you say it is the Dwight Powell who's an undersized five, not a stretch
1: four. Okay, uh, you're right. His his he's not an outside shooter. I'm I'm you're right. I take it. That yeah. That.
0: Say 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 it is that Wes Matthews. What? Maybe the Pelicans look at that and say, okay, Wes almost certainly opts in the 18 mil and change next year. Dwight Powell's got two years left on a four year thirty seven million dollar deal. Why wouldn't we just want cap space instead of taking those two guys
1: back? because what because number one, what does cap space help you in New Orleans? They had it two years ago they ended up giving most of it to solomon hill and um and they still want to make the playoffs this year. I th- they don't want to tank they, why, they want to, they want to go not
0: not, not tank but right so what? they want to make the playoffs this year so they they keep boogie for the rest of the year and then you know. Let the, let summer unfold the way it unfolds. Uh, uh,
1: uh, again, I think it's a 175 million dollar decision. Wow. That's what either you're going to pay him it or not. I feel like my okay. the,
2: the takeaway from this is that the Pelicans is a near unfixable situation. There's like there's no good options for for what <laughs> that roster.
1: I, I don't know about that. Like if so, if you got, if you got Wesley Matthews, if, they're they're atrocious on the perimeter. They're atrocious. Wes Wes would fit with. I mean, you know, Wes.
0: West's problems when he tries to dribble, but when he's just a, a shooter, ball mover, and he's still a, a very good defender, he's a great locker room guy, I do think Wes could help them. I think Wes is a piece that would fit very well with aD.
1: Um, I don't know. I, that, that's me making up a trade. Do, are you
0: predicting I, I, a trade? I like predictions from you
1: <laughs> I, I, I just put it this way. What I'm talking to you about about the cousins thing, I didn't come up with that on my own. I Mm -hmm. talking uh, talking to other executives, other executives like I'm one talking to executives in the league. This is what they're saying. If you're in, what you meant to say, you were
0: talking to other big deals.
1: Yeah, right. If yeah, unfortunately, most of the guys I talk to are small deals. That (laughs) this is going to be the this is going to be got to be what they're talking about as they get up to February eighth. And remember. Uh, last year, the Kings decided to trade Boogie. Like, they said they weren't trading him, and then they changed their mind, and he was gone in 48 hours. Not
0: yeah, like they I'll have know. To-
1: yeah you, look, this is the time of year, and not that it, it,
0: it's just specifically this time of year, but if you're talking to an, an executive about their team, your BS detector is probably going crazy. Like, you know, these guys, part of their job is to lie through their teeth, which is exactly why I don't believe a word that anybody with the Mavericks tells me about Boogie. <laughs>
1: I was taken aback yesterday by uh, speaking of – uh, controversial big man, Greg Popovich just announcing uh, yeah. you were there you were there pregame Andrew Hahn. I was. Uh in LA. Greg Popovich says, yeah, yeah, Lamarcus um, demanded a trade last summer. And ah. I guess I guess it had been buried in some reporting by Michael Wright uh, and some other people earlier this season, but this is the first time Popovich openly just offered it up. And I, I was wow, that was that was a stunner yeah, to me.
2: Yeah it's uh, in the scrum there was kind of like half people kind of gasped that uh, Popovich said and the other half was like, oh, yeah, this this is already out there. And to the point where, like, Popovich noticed the reaction was like, oh, well, why are you surprised? I thought this was already reported. And it was, but again, like, I don't think Pop ever publicly acknowledged it until then, so. Well,
1: and right. then he said that it never happened in his 20 years, right. whatever, right. you know, and and what's so crazy about that is, uh, and, and by the way, that was another poorly kept secret that LaMarcus was unhappy. Um, was, he was, on, you know, he was, that, that was like, his first three months there two years ago it was like oh my yeah. god he's unhappy but talk about a turnaround he's he asked for a trade i assume in may or june and by september is signing a huge contract extension and is having the best season as a spur i mean <laughs> you you want to talk about a turn you, you know you, you're talking about like what what can the pelicans do i mean look at right there look at how they turn that situation around
3: uh, i mean anything's possible dude uh the, the you you did sir please don't compare anything spurs to anything <laughs> like, well
1: know, i know but still in, in, please sir,
3: in theory in theory yeah yeah in theory I, it, bottom line is they have to make a move because here's the thing in, in your scenario which i agree if they don't move him that means they're basically saying we're going to uh re-up him he's going to take that contract in the summer like well, okay, so then what's your next move, Rondo? What? Rondo was just a one-year deal, so all right, you'll have that freed up. But uh, again, guys aren't running to the Crescent City, and they, 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 I, I don't see it.
1: I don't see it.
2: Um, okay, uh, McMahon had to to bolt, so that seems like as good a point as I need to wind down.
1: All right, Andrew, thank you. Be low. Thank Hope you. Thank have, you. A good sh- have you have a good show tonight? Hope the Suns deliver. It. Hope Devin Booker scores forty. Keep the, <laughs> he, he, keep he the just, viewers. He just might. I mean, I mean,
3: I don't know if you saw the Rockets. Uh, I mean, they're playing pretty much no one tonight.
1: So. Yeah, um, we've had some bad luck this week with the. Although you know, Lou Williams dazzled us, gave us a fifty point gift.
3: Uh, it, it's funny. It's almost, it's, it's almost like someone spoke about how great of a December he had, and that it would continue. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't. I don't know who said that. Like a Cajones
1: Player of the Month. I don't. Oh, good <laughs> oh, good oh, callback, people. Oh, oh, Andrew, was Andrew, that beat? What's Andrew Hunt, Andrew Han, real quick. Lou Williams has been in the league. I want to say, thirteen or fourteen years. Thirteen, 13. years, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I believe he was to give you an idea how long he's been in the league. I believe he was a he was a preps to pros guy. If I'm not mistaken, right? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. I mean, wait, what? <laughs> you know, like one of that last one class, of the last four, ones, was, yeah. the last, the four so. was the last. I think so. So. Um, th- there's not a mystery with this guy. We know who he is. I find I, you know It's incredible what he's going through now, but I find it hard to believe that he is all of a sudden going to be a, a number one or number two player at this point in his career. Um, if you were the Clippers, would you extend him in the middle of this season? Uh,
2: no, because that would hurt his... You, it, you couldn't trade him if you extended him. And I think his value is best as a trade asset right now.
1: I agree, but we'll see, because Steve Ballmer has been tweeting about him. Steve Ballmer has a Twitter account. He does. He's been tweeting about Sweet Lou. Uh, why is that shocking? He's like a isn't he a tech guy? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't <laughs> say it's a, I wouldn't say it's an insightful Twitter account. The, the, <laughs> the era of the uh, insightful, uh, other than Cuban, like you know, like. Mickey Harrison used to be unbelievable. You know, Mickey Harrison got fined like two hundred fifty thousand dollars, or maybe at five five hundred thousand for tweets that he's put put during the lockout. Um, <laughs> but you know, the owners have kind of backed off. But there was a while there where Twitter was so glorious. But but yeah, no. Steve Ballmer's been tweeting about Lou Williams. It doesn't sound like a guy he's about to trade. Who knows? Um, all right, have a good weekend, guys. All right, you
3: do the same, brother. And I will. Uh, I will see you both guys soon. All right, see you guys. Thanks for
1: listening.
2: KB and KP start right now.
4: to a Friday edition of Hashtag KBKP. Sadly, Kaylee Brand is not able to join us today. So again, we are thrilled to be joined by the KA to our KB and KP, Kevin Arvitz. Thanks for being here, Kevin. Hey, Kevin, what's going on? So a topic we had been kind of discussing for a little while here that, you know, given some thought to is politically, it is I recall you discussing with uh, Isaac shotner on the uh, the podcast that you guys did a few weeks ago is how much more liberal nba fans tend to be than fans of the other major sports in the US and why that is and what kind of impact that has particularly when the nba goes to you know s- cosmopolitan areas in red states like oklahoma city and memphis being two examples of places where it's gone you know within the last 20 years here moving those two teams from the Pacific Northwest to, and places that are very different culturally and politically. W- what kind of impact does that have?
5: Well, I mean, first I, th- I think, it's important to know those are two different places and Memphis is a, it is a, it is a democratic, the ninth district traditionally of Tennessee is a very democratic district, a very liberal district. Um, you have a you know, really large African American population um, and, and, you know, you have an urban population, Oklahoma city, little different an economy a little less demographically diverse um, actually considerably less demographically diverse uh, also an energy economy um, which I think I think can orient a place politically
4: i mean it, it does feel like you know it, it probably is concurrent to some extent with a trend towards this divide politically between cities and the suburban or exurban areas around them that is sort of happening throughout the country where, you know, even within a red state, you might have these bluer areas where, you know, in large metropolitan areas. uh, And that seems to kind of grow, go along the same trend, I think here.
5: Yeah. And basketball is an urban sport. And I don't mean urban the way some people use urban as Euphemism. essentially euphemism for black uh, it is i mean it, it is it is, it is a sport that is you know you don't have a lot of football fields uh in in the cores of major cities largely because you just don't have the space to accommodate them whereas basketball is a is a sport that yeah while very popular in kentucky and north carolina and indiana and kansas uh in parts of the heartland dominated in New York city dominated in Chicago dominated in the denser population centers of the Eastern United States. Um, and for that matter, some of the Western United States, uh, even college
2: basketball, uh, Arnovitz,
5: uh, I remember a
2: couple of years back, uh, you with our friend, Ethan Strauss investigated like, uh, mind of the fan and the demographics of fans across major sports. And specifically for the NBA, even as opposed to college basketball, um, the NBA fans tend to skew more progressive, more liberal. Uh, They'd skew younger. And I guess one of the things that Pelton, Kaylee, and I had discussed off air previously is does the NBA
5: attract
2: more progressive fans
5: or do they create more progressive fans? I know. I mean, Kevin, I don't know about you. I know more kind of people who are pretty hardened sports fans for whom their one non-follow sport is the NBA. Yeah, I love college and I love NFL.
4: It's a little different here in Seattle where people have some legitimate reasons to be upset about the NBA. Right. Uh, uh, Still to this day. Yeah. And I think to go back to the original like college basketball versus NBA question, you also have to look at like the structure of the two sports. College, you know, college basketball stereotypically, it's all about the name on the front of the jersey. It's about the college. It's about the tradition and the hundreds of years. Whereas, you know, you're, you're a fan because of a particular school most likely. Whereas, the NBA, as Kevin has talked about, you know, there's such this move to liberated fandom where you are a fan because of the stars. And I think that forces you then to empathize much more with the stars and you know see them as individuals rather than part of, you know, kind of this
2: greater system. Ooh, and see, hand in hand with that, I, I my suspicion is is that the NBA actually creates more progressive fans because if you are a fan, if you can empathize with the players and the stars more over the past 25, 30 years, um, Pelton and Arnavitz, it feels like the NBA has made a concerted effort to be a much more global system, and there are much more international players in the league. So the idea that sports is exclusively escapism, as it is in football or college sports, is not quite as... uh it's not quite a driving influence as it is in the nba
4: yeah i hear that you're right. confronted with all these stories of individuals from around the world that are part of kind of these larger global news stories whether you know it's thon maker being uh, among the lost boys from the south sudan who were forced to emigrate and he ended up in australia before then making his way to canada and finally to the nba and then you know uh, another intriguing example then would be Skull Labissaire, uh, having been, you know, a, a victim of the earthquake in Haiti who ended up in the U.S. not long after that and has become an NBA player. I mean, it, these are, you know, much bigger news stories than about these individual players, but knowing the individuals and their stories kind of forces you to be aware of the bigger news story. KP,
2: is it, uh, is it, is it Labissaire? Labissiere?
4: I never know how to pronounce this name. I, Le
2: I, I originally, it's probably Libissier, but I, I originally pronounced it like rotisserie, LeBisserie, and I was roundly
5: ridiculed at Summer League for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, and, and we know from just basic political data and research that no matter what issue you're talking about on the political landscape, knowing somebody who is X is a very big predictor of whether or not you support you know, full citizenship or, or, or you empathize with the plight of X, right? Like, like we know this from, from, if you know a gay person, you know, in the last couple of decades, you were more likely to come aboard early, uh, on various campaigns for, uh, you know, full equality. Uh, if you know a, and if you know in like a Haitian player, um, you are more likely today, I would venture to guess, and I can, I cannot say this empirically, to find, you know, the characterization of Haitians as being undesirable immigrants to this country to probably, you know, be repugnant because there happens to be a, a Haitian immigrant you care, uh, you know, a great deal for, at least from the standpoint of the fan.
4: Right. And, you know, then I think the danger potentially in that, you know, there was a good tweet by uh, Zito at, at underscore Z on Twitter, you know, stop falling into the conversation about in- exceptional immigrants you don't need to save kids from burning buildings to be worthy of respect and compassion. So it's not that, you know, these, you know, having these NBA players are worthy immigrants because of what they bring in terms of their basketball skills. It's more about using their stories as a way to understand that there are many more people like them who don't have basketball as a vehicle to take them to the heights that some of these players have.
5: Right, and I, 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 I'm I'm never comfortable with the idea that yeah, yeah exactly, unless unless you didn't escape an earthquake um, after being buried for three hours, the way Scalabousiere did, and emigrate, and um, that, that, that somehow you, you aren't worthy of consideration for citizenship or, or, or whatever uh, rights are confounded upon those who'd like to come here and build a life.
4: Kevin, I'm curious, did you experience that firsthand with your it- your own coming out story, did that change anyone around you in terms of their, their views on gay rights or their views politically more generally? I don't know. That's a good question.
5: I, I, I you know, I, I have no, I, I have, it's, it's always hard to tell from my, from this side of the, of the transaction, right? right? Like, uh, <laughs> um, but it was very interesting. I was sitting with an NBA coach last night, a major NBA coach, and we were sitting pregame at an arena, and, uh, and it, it's kind of it, it was an event that would have been a major event four, five, six, seven, eight years ago, not now. And you know, we I, I've, I've spoken with this coach many times, and we built what I would say is a you know a friendly rapport in the in the confines of, of the NBA world. And you know, he asked uh, if I was married, and I said no, but I you know have a significant other. He's a reporter, et cetera. And you know, there wasn't a beat missed in that conversation. I always wonder if those conversations produce any you know, secondary consideration, I assume in this day and age for somebody who's you know been around the world and um it, it just isn't. But I you know I I'd like to believe that to the extent that there are either doubts or there's no frame of reference that maybe I provide one. You know, am I the NBA's cool gay friend? I don't know.
4: You know, it's it's always <laughs> hard to tell. All right. Well that seems as good to know it as any to uh wrap up on thanks for listening to hashtag KBKP and be sure to get in your questions for next week's sick.